One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. And there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 67 of the No Encore Music Podcast, the best goddamn music podcast in town, as far as I'm concerned. Especially when we welcome back our brother in arms, Norway's finest, Cullum O'Regan. What up? Hi. Craig's also. Oh, oh, right. Oh, fine. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've only was, been gone a fortnight. Welcome back. Relax. I was on a roll. Oh, sorry. Hi, Craig. Yes, Patrick. Yep. Hi. <laughs> well, Move you on. know, I guess that's it. I guess there's no one else in the bill. Oh, hi, no. Isaac. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> I don't think that this deserves any like introduction. People remember episode thirty-one or something like that. Well, you the archivist it's will. Richard that. Chambers. Richard Chambers. Everybody, thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. News talk fame and various other things as well, including spilling a beer on this podcast last time he was on it as your intro. I believe. If, if that's going to be like, if there's some sort of like. And or my fifth anniversary special where they have like best bits. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be there. That's in there. Well. Colin, while you were in Norway, you became something of a, a local celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> when your beloved Usna football club, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't even begin to describe this. You went to the game the day after your birthday, and somehow at halftime, you were paraded around the centre circle, yeah. interviewed, <laughs> yeah. and given a signed jersey. Yeah, well, I mean, like, they, they brought me out and they you gave me a signed jersey. You have this club. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, like, waving to the crowd, and I go to say goodbye to the fellow who's after giving it to me, and he kind of gestures behind him to the bloke with the microphone. And the next thing I know, I'm like legit being asked for like analysis about the game. And oh, hold on. Uh, you're asked to like analyze the game. It wasn't just like an interview of you. And, no, there was there was a bit of nice there was a bit, man. There was a bit of everything. <laughs> Why thrown, are you here again? Yeah, there was a bit of everything thrown in there. Like, yeah, it was. This it, strikes it was, me as this one show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it sort of like that Pacific Island was like? T- 
treats like Prince Philip as a god. Like this foreign man who turns up. And he's, oh my god! He comes from outside. It wasn't quite that straight, but it, but it must be said that when I came back into the crowd afterwards, obviously everyone had just seen me out in the pitch. They're all just like, "Happy birthday! Welcome to Norway. Hope you're enjoying it." Did they all absolutely be amused by what was happening? Oh, completely. Yeah, Did they yeah, think yeah. that you're a new signing? No, 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 no. There was no fear of that. To be fair, okay. there's no scarf above the head. Yeah, they haven't lost it. So, I mean, like, were you answering questions in Norwegian? Oh God, no. You didn't try for any. You didn't try and win over the crowd with some with a, with a bit of local. I I used of, one local word. I fucking uh, knew he would. I knew it. Yeah. I fucking knew it. Yeah, which is a uh, uplet. What does that which mean? Is, uh, well, this tells you something about Bergen. Kick on, boys. But no, that that, 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 that <laughs> word means any type of weather that isn't rain. Because like, it rains so much in Bergen, like they just have one word for, like, not raining, which is ooplet. You just said that randomly. Well, like, no, I said I looked at Grabs the mic out of this guy's hand, stares down the camera, ooplet. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the Sunday went wild. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you about a friend of mine, his ex-girlfriend was a German lady, and one day she pointed at the window while I was lashing outside and turned to him and went, it rains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So sinister, isn't so it? sinister. Yeah. We should probably move on. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't want to mock too many cultures. So uh, actually, what, what, one thing I do want to say, and I don't mean to bring the like bring bring it down or anything, but like um, Richard, the night yeah. of the awful, awful scenes in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert, I know that you were, you, like, you flew to the scene pretty quickly, mm. and I have to ask you because. You said I'm I'm en route to the scene right now as it was going down, and I'm like, do you have some kind of special helicopter, some sort of back plane, or something like that? Like, I'm, I'm wondering because I was like, it's like midnight. How is he getting out of this yeah, country? No, that was that was sort of almost embellishment of the truth. It would be a couple of hours before there was a plane. I think it was oh, like four right, AM sure, flight. Okay. It's like en route. That means get out to the airport and start writing from there. Yeah. Sure. I'm less impressed now. I, I yeah. genuinely thought you had some weird like phone box thing that you just <laughs> ran into. They are installing a helipad on top of the building. It'll just okay. be a big C. That's fair enough. Okay, well, also in the world of music uh, this week, last week I should say, Glastonbury Festival, lads. Yeah. Glastonbury. None of us were at it. <laughs> it, was, it was my favourite Glastonbury I've never been to so far, yeah. It was one of the greats. Well, I watched a day's coverage. A lot of fucking coverage, yeah. Considering how much you hate the BBC coverage of it. Well, see, Famously. I, I found a stream, which... Oh. Totally legal, I swear. Oh, yeah. And I watched that stream, totally legal, I swear. you saved kind of jolly presenter banter and kind of... I didn't get any of that. I, di- I didn't get it's any amazing. of that. It's amazing. didn't get any of... You Jim- missed Nick Grimshaw Trevor saying Carney. it was the most vegan-friendly place on earth. It's a dairy yeah. farm. <laughs> no, I d- didn't get that. I'll tell you what I did get, because um, the first night was on, and I kind of saw people reacting to it on the Twitter... And Radiohead, everyone was going mental about Radiohead, and I was like, whatever. Mm. Uh, Saturday, I watched uh, you know the the main man himself go through the hits, Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn! It's the worst chant yes. ever, isn't it? That's, I did, it like, that's the mark of political success now. If your name fits into the Seven Nation Army chant, that's what it is. If you're you're never going to be, and I mean, it works for like Leo Varadkar and stuff, but you'll never hear that chanted outside of you know some like weird country pub where. They hate the poor, probably. <laughs> or a, str- a strange, like, yeah, Fina Gale committee yeah. meeting or something when a few too many glasses of shandy, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely Fianna Fáil. Definitely Well, Jeremy Corbyn finally ascended to the position that we've all wanted him to, which is the hype man for Run the Jewels, as he introduced Killer Mike and LP and DJ Trackstar for their big set. And it was interesting to kind of see people, like, you know, who had hung around for Corbyn being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, when, like, LP did his, his shtick in the afternoon. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I watched the coverage on, on like, in a laptop hooked up to speakers not exactly like being there is it but that's fine because I don't want to go there uh, Run the Jewels were fine uh, I felt that it was missing something because you know it's Run the Jewels on a gigantic outdoor stage here in the middle of the day 
I watched Katy Perry's set, which was style mm. over substance, much like the film Baby Driver. Don't go see that film. Uh, yeah, I've heard different opinions to yours on that now. Baby Driver? Yeah, yeah, I heard it's oh, quite good. Go. I love Everyone the Jewels. I, I love the Run the, Jewel, the Run the Jewels track from it. Yeah, it's fine. That's really um, good. It's, it's, it's an average movie, sub-average, yeah. I would say. Just from reading the synopsis, it seems like a film based around a soundtrack almost. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the soundtrack is good. It has moments of kind of visual kineticism. There's a word I was made up. Because Edgar Wright is the filmmaker. It's but perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> Thanks. <He's back. laughs> uh, up left, I say to you. <laughs> so essentially, what I would say is it's it's two out of five, and uh-huh. the reviews for at the moment are absolutely fucking hysterical. It's insane. Some of them are like, you know, it's one of the most utterly original films in years. I'm like, really? It's a it's the driver. It's drive. It's gone sixty seconds. There's three for you off the top of my head. Uh, not really off the top of my head because I've already written my review and I said that. <laughs> there you go. More pulling back the curtain. It's fine. It's just not very good, and everyone's saying that it is, and that annoys me. So that's fine. But what also annoyed me was Katy Perry's set. It wasn't great. What I did like though was the national with mm. Matt Berninger, very very visibly drunk. He he's always he drunk. does that quite often. Yeah. Any time it's I've a nerves seen thing he claims it might be a substance abuse problem. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's nerves, but it's like ner- two bottles of wine to calm the nerves, which might be something mm. to look at. That is a bit yeah, of an issue. Yeah. yeah, they were good though, and they played four new tracks in a row, which is a gamble. But I will say that the new material sounds great. I mean, on that, yeah. Yeah, I very much enjoyed the set. It was really, really good. Uh, I watched a bit of Stormzy. And watching Stormzy was very much a case of this guy is 100% going to be a headliner in about two or three years. Yeah, right. Definitely. I think it's incredible. Like, I mean, there has been something of, you know, this grime revolution, which, you know, is, is taking the mainstream. But it's just, he's actually, he's just really incredible to watch. I don't think there's many people in the world who enjoy just performing in front of large crowds when they've never really had the opportunity to before. As he does. He's just like relishing the home. Yeah, yeah. He's very charismatic as well, yeah. Decked out in a gorgeous blue Adidas tracksuit as well. And yeah. He had the Corbin chance for a bit as well. Yeah, well, you know, he can't have everything. And I, <laughs> speaking of can't <laughs> have everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two songs in to Foo Fighters set, I went, fuck this, I'm out. And was I, Dave Grohl just being too nice for you? And I went... <laughs> Three hours later. <laughs> I went to the gym, right? Came back. They're still on. Yep. Had my shower. Still on. I was like, what's going on? And like, it just seemed to be this never-ending barrage of... They paid for like what, two, two and a half hours. It was like a fifteen-minute version of Monkey Wrench. Which is just, just, <laughs> it's a good song, but it's a good like two and a half-minute pop song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was, I don't know. I mean, it was like, mainly him talking and cursing quite a lot. Like, oh, yeah, not he, rock and roll. He's so rock songs. and roll. Lost his niceness yeah. for me. I anyway. don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't really get them. I didn't enjoy it. I f- f- the, like the little I did watch, and I kind of I, I turned it on at one point to be like, is this really still on, or is Twitter just taking the piss? And that's when Taylor Hawkins was standing at the microphone doing "Under Pressure" by Queen and David Bowie while yeah. Dave played the drums for a bit, and I was like, you know what, this is awful. I mean, you know what, from what I heard, though, it went down really well. I mean, like, main stage festival headliner is a sort of a separate art form in itself, where it's yeah. about kind of trying to get the people who are hanging around at the back, who have little or no interest in anybody on the bill, uh, getting them involved in some shape or form, and getting the people, you know, the burger munchers to actually pay a bit of attention. And <laughs> it seems <laughs> as though, seems yeah. as though <laughs> Foo Fighters yeah, are say, decent yeah, yeah. at that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get to see much on Sunday because on Sunday I went to go and see one of my favourite films of all time, Heat, starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. It was went, good. Well, I went out to View Liffey Valley. That's where I went to. It's called View Liffey Valley. It's out in Liffey Valley. It's View Cinemas in Liffey Valley. Neck of the woods. Yeah, never been there before. And, you know, went in, like sat down, ready, ready for it to happen. And 20 minutes in, the film still wasn't on, but the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 soundtrack was. 
And then eventually member staff came in and were like indicated that the film would be on in five minutes because we couldn't hear her over the music. And then they came in and some inept manager was like, uh, turns out we don't have the key to unlock the film and we didn't check That's the film. That's the thing that happens. Apparently so. Uh, first entry. Uh, they didn't didn't check the film beforehand because, you know, a quote... Oh, it's like, like an old print kind of... Like no, it's a digital thing. Oh, right. Yeah, and according to this guy, no one does that anymore, which is an, it's what I would call a lie. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, fair enough, these things happen. Human error, grand. Except we were told no refunds. And uh, yeah, friend of the show, Dave Higgins, is still trying to get his refunds. So, oh. ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to go to the cinema, don't go to view Liffey Valley because... Tell them you're never going back. I literally said, I'm <laughs> never... No, I said, I'm never coming here again. And then in the car, I went, oh, I should have said I was never going back like De Niro in the movie. But, so I didn't they wouldn't have got it, Dave. They don't have the key. <laughs> they haven't seen it. They, they, they don't have much. It's a fucking circus out there. Don't go. Craig, did you watch any of Glastonbury on Sunday? Uh, not really. Not a huge amount. I saw a tiny bit of Ed Sheeran just for kind of like curiosity's sake and mm. I couldn't be doing with it. I still don't understand why... Like he's got. A he's doing seven shows over here next year. Yeah, he's got a weird chip on his shoulder where he just won't hire a band. Like at yeah. this stage, I mean, it was admirable for a bit, but you're doing Glastonbury. Mm. It's just a busker. Well, he did stage. bring out the O'Kaley <laughs> I think it's. I think, it's I think it's. I think that the whole stick with that is because you saw so many people on Twitter. Like going around saying, "Isn't it amazing?" I don't know. I don't love Ed Sheeran, but isn't it great to see one man and his guitar headlining Glastonbury? Sure. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's like that's that that it's purely for that reason. Yeah. He just wants those three odd tweets. You yeah. Know? Again, as well. I mean, like you saw the reaction with people going, "Oh my god, is he playing with a backing track?" And it's just like having to explain to a load of idiots what a loop pedal does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, again, this is the sort of casual fan that you're dealing with when it comes to a main stage Glastonbury performance. So Seeing maybe another guy will be done on that scale. The weekend brought a tear to one's eye. <laughs> <laughs> the worst the week. <laughs> The weekend, however, the, yeah. the the armchair viewing of the weekend was capped off spectacularly on Monday morning when I watched the latest episode of Twin Peaks, episode eight, which was mind blowing. We could have spent a whole hour on that, but we won't. For what I will say is, who turned up to play, Craig? The Nine Inch Nails. The Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, a Nine Inch Nails cover band featuring Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yeah, it was great. They played "She's Gone Away" from the new record, not or the last EP rather, not the actual events, which I kind of glossed over when we talked about it very, very briefly on No Encore before. But I will say that that was the song that didn't quite work for me. And now, of course, fickle guy that I am, it totally does. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how that would work. It's the, like the lightest mm, moment of the episode as well. Which is saying something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When Nine Inch Nails are called upon for uh, playground levity, it's something else. Before we move on from uh, viewing this weekend, we do have a, a contribution from a long-time listener, first-time guest. That's right. Brian Lloyd of Entertainment.ie. He put up a tweet during the week that had me concerned, shook me to the core, as it were. He watched Metallica classic Some Kind of Monster, the documentary that profiled their recording and creation of the best record of all time, St. Anger, around 2003. He watched that for the first time, and I thought, there's a man who probably has a story to tell. As it turns out, he's a man on the edge of a balcony in this recording. Some kind of monster, yeah, right. So I watched it for the first time last night. And just to for a little bit of context, right, I was a massive, and I mean a massive, Metallica fan. In fact, I'd actually say Metallica are the one band that I've probably seen more, more times than any other musical act I've seen. I think I've seen them about three times. Um, you know, I've gone to see them repeatedly over the years. I stopped, fully enough, I actually stopped listening to them around the time that some kind of monster came out because um, St. Anger, I just couldn't get into at all. I just really, really couldn't um, approach it in any kind of meaningful way. And it's not just because, like, the tuning sounded terrible and it was like Lars Ulrich was playing drums with, like, a tin of biscuits or something like that. It was just the fact that it was so... 
I don't know, introspective or something? I don't know, it just, it wasn't the Metallica that I grew up on, and I really did grow up on Metallica, but, um, and it's actually interesting that growing up with Metallica, because as I was watching some kind of monster, right, the thing that kind of struck me the most was, um, how I had kind of built up this kind of idea in my head of what they were, you know, that sort of way, like, I always kind of knew that Lars Ulrich was a bit of an asshole, I always knew that James Hetfield didn't really kind of take anything seriously, and he was sort of like, he was almost like he was just in Metallica for, for, for a laugh, you know, that sort of way, that he wasn't really kind of, um, that he wasn't really serious about it, you know, that sort of way, that he didn't take it seriously, and that Kirk Hammett was just this sort of like mysterious creature in the background, and Jason Newstead was just like the guy that was tacked on, and I tell you, it really opened my eyes about him, because Lars Ulrich, like, I knew he was an asshole, but my Jesus Christ, I never realised how much of an asshole he was, I mean, there is a scene in it, where he's in, I think it's Sotheby's or something like that, and he's like selling off all his art, uh, because I don't know, he wants, you know, he bought this from the last 10 years, and now he's about the, the next 10 years, and he's just like drinking the whole time to numb the pain, he says, and I was just, as I was watching, I was like, I am so glad I robbed all your discography off Napster, I am so glad, and I felt bad about it, and I carried that around for a few years, I'm so glad I robbed as much music of theirs as I could, and like, and keep in mind, I even paid, I like, I bought like Kill 'Em All, I bought Ride the Lightning, I bought Master Puppets, I bought and Justice for All, I got Garage Inc., uh, the, the, the video thing, I, like, I, if there was any merch going for Metallica, when I was young, like, at, like, 15, 16, I bought it, like, if I could buy it, I'd get it, um, and I feel good now that I robbed a load of stuff off Napster, I'm, I'm feeling very good about that, and James Heffield just came across, like, and this isn't, obviously, this is the other thing as well, right, because, you know, he was obviously going through some stuff, he was obviously going through, uh, uh, you know, recovery and alcohol addiction and so on and so forth, but he is another asshole, there's a, and this is another scene in it that really stuck out to me, it was that he uh, pissed off to Russia to kill bears, which is terrible enough as it is, but he actually missed his son's first birthday in the process, and didn't seem all that kind of pushed about it, it was like, oh, well, that happened and goodbye, like, the fact that you would admit to that number one to anyone is terrible, but the fact that you'd admit to that with a camera pointed on you, mic'd up the fact that you'd admit to all that just kind of shows what kind of level of asshole he is and like, and it's not even in a punk rock like, oh, he doesn't give a, he doesn't give a toss about his kids and, oh, he's James Hetfield, blah 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 no, that's just a bad person a bad person does that, a really really bad person that does that and like, and final point now, I have a completely newfound respect for Kirk Hammett. Like, that man is a saint. That man is a complete saint to put up with those two. And, you know, Robert Giorgio, I, I feel for that guy, because he's walking into the middle of, like, 20-odd years, well, 30 years now, I suppose, of just awfulness. And he is placed in the middle of that. And, like, with suicidal tendencies, you know... They were a good band, you know what I mean? They were a good band. And like he was good he was good with um Ozzy Osbourne as well, I thought. I thought he was I thought, you know, he brought a presence on stage and stuff like that. So, to sum up, um some kind of monster was just 
was revealing in a way I did not want it to be revealing about Metallica because I had always kind of held on to this idea in my mind that they were kind of cool and that they were kind of like didn't give a crap about anyone and they're just flabby middle-aged men uh, who are way past their prime I've gone I've hit the wall and gone past their prime and I'm kind of glad I got into Slayer you know that kind of way like I like it was Metallica was the way in and then I got into Anthrax and then I got into Slayer and you know Tom Mariah might be a Trump supporting dickhead but at least he's not inauthentic which is what they came across Metallica just came across so inauthentic after this so uh, yeah I guess that's my hot take on uh, some kind of monster Haunted (laughs) Haunted (laughs) Haunted Man thank you very much Brian though Uh, I've got a question before we move on kind of a tie in in a way Mm -hmm. Um, what has a 10 inch penis and is a huge liar (laughs) me (laughs) it's Hulk Hogan everybody and possibly Greg so yeah, there's a great story to around. Like this is Hulk Hogan. Like is known apart from you know his uh, grappling prowess. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> his legendary big boot, body slam, leg drop, one, two, three. He's known for being a professional liar. You see, this is it's the amazing. Thing. Like you're absolutely correct because Hulk Hogan is a professional liar. I don't know if any of you followed his court case against yeah, Gawker two years ago. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was fascinating, and one of the most fascinating things about it was testimony that continually came back to you know, did you say this? Well, Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan said that. Are you Hulk Hogan? Sort of. <laughs> I'm Terry Bollea. And it's like, you know, so Hulk Hogan has a 10-inch penis, but Terry Bollea doesn't. These were genuine conversations the that were having that, like, on like, the fucking stand. When he's, amazing. When he's, like, having his deposition, he wears his funeral bandana. Yeah, the black yeah, one. That is. The black yeah. one, yeah, which I love that. His, his formal headdress. Well, <laughs> yeah. Why are we talking about the Hulkster? The Hulkster, and, well, just following on from some kind of monster, uh, he had claimed that back in the some day... Some kind of Hulkster. He was... Auditioning to be Metallica's bassist and said, You know, I was big pals with Lars Ulrich, and he asked me if I wanted to play bass, but it didn't work out. And then, yeah, it turns out that Lars Ulrich has no idea who he was. <laughs> the latest, though, is that James Heffield has done a new interview, and at one point this was positive to him, you know, kind of rhetorical in a way because it was obviously a complete lie. <laughs> and Heffield was like, What's his version of events? <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah, whatever, sure, why not? And he was like, yeah, um, I don't remember him. You know, what was he? He was in the band for a minute. Like, yeah. you've never seen like a, a more disinterested man. I just wanted to bring it up to get the Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan, back in the conversation yeah. again. <laughs> Why not? He deserves I, I, a shine. I, I, I do, however, love, though, that like when Hetfield first reacts to it, it's one of those moments of, like, you know, Mick Jagger having taken too much LSD to remember writing a book and shit, like, oh, yeah, where yeah. he's just like... It could have happened. Was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know? <laughs> Bass as well. He's not going to settle for a rhythm instrument. Hulk, no, Hulk was a bassist, like. Was he actually? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he was in a band and, like, they were actually going to be setting off Metallica. He was in a band and, like, they were about to set off on tour and then, like, one of them had a kid, one of them uh, just got married and what? so they decided... You know, an awful they, they, yeah, they decided... A fish yeah. They decided not to go on tour and so he kind of committed to professional wrestling instead. Oh, it's okay. true. There you go. All facts. Facts only. Yeah. Dad, I'm committing to professional no wrestling today. Yeah. Well, I guess he is one of the most influential people out there. I mean, like, let's be fair. He was. Uh, 
he brought down the media empire there recently. True, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, you got to say. Although New Zealand resident Peter Thiel really mm. was behind that. Look, look, look. a great documentary on that on Netflix. Now. Yeah, it's fantastic. Called. Yeah. I heard it's kind of pro-Gawker, though. Well, it is, but I mean, it, 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 it's it's more free, it's more pro freedom of speech and First Amendment and all that. Yeah, but shit. wrestling, yeah, yeah but wrestling. This is the Hulkster. He just demands respect. Well, you know, I guess these days demanding respect, the currency is different, guys. It's all about being a top influencer. Yeah. Hashtag. With that in mind, I joined Instagram this week, so you can find me on the gram. On the gram, flex, follow for follow. <laughs> For sporadic updates about nothing. Yeah. But Rihanna and Chance the Rapper have both been named in a new list of the 25 most influential people on the entire information superhighway, also known as the World Wide Web, also known as the internet. Yeah. I fucking hate this shit. It's the worst, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it, it's so... All these lists and all these justifications. Yeah. And all this. Time magazine, though. Really? What are you guys doing? Yeah, well, that's, that's them, isn't it? That's yeah. their... Do a lot of lists they're now. clawing for... Citing their overall ability to drive news and their global impact. Richard, as someone who does both of those things on a daily basis... As a note of tweet machiner. Yeah. How do you feel? Um, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel. I just, I just hate it. Any, I don't any feel, I just When I saw that this was on, this was on the order of news... I was like, well, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand how they judge it, because, like, Chance has something like, he's, like, under 5 million followers, which is How is that? Massive, yeah, no, but not, like... Katy Perry has, like, a bit... What? A, a, a billion. A billion. <laughs> a gazillion followers. It's, like, 100 million, though, isn't it? Yeah. I think that was, that's, that's the thing. But, like, he doesn't have that, so how, how are they kind of... I mean, they talk about how he's kind of... I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how, right? I okay. suppose, well, Chance is... Chance, I mean... Yeah, he he only released a studio album for the first time last year, and the rest of it was all pushed out online. He's yeah, he's he's pretty innovative in some of the music videos he's done and stuff like. So I understand that Rihanna just seems to be just really good at sort of fan service on the internet. Wrong. She approaches social media with the same aplomb and fearlessness that has become her trademark across music, fashion, and culture. Yeah, what I said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I said. I think to be fair, Chance is always kind of judged you know, within sort of like his position as being, you know, quote unquote independent artist, which mm. I've said on this show before. Yeah. It's like, bollocks at it's this like, probably like, now, yeah. The Arctic Monkeys 10 years ago where it was all about, oh, they just stole MySpace and stuff. MySpace and like they took off. It's yeah. taken, a, yeah, it's taken a bit much of a myth now at this stage, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, but I guess within the mainstream it still carries on. Katy Perry is in there as well, which seems somewhat more reasonable she as you a, say, given the amount of live stream. 96 hour live stream yeah. of her life. Like, like just complete with the I think it only got like, like but in total say, so she's the most followed person on Twitter so she's got like 100 million followers mm. and she streamed live on Twitter for 96 hours I think it only got like it's like 500 retweets or something like that or 500 <laughs> likes people were, people were just like do you know what fuck her and her, and her woke bollocks like you know <laughs> I guess I <laughs> followers are like sex bots that's what I want to <laughs> but you're the one who follows back sex bots every time they follow oh, yeah. you because you, because you don't want to be impolite like, I know I hurt their feelings Keep doing what you do, sex bots. Yeah. Wait a minute, she, she appears to be a different person in five of these photographs. I, I, I don't understand it. She's a real chameleon, this one. Mm. I tried to follow it up with some of them, and now it turned out it was all a sham. Fair enough. Yeah. Let, let's follow up a big story that we talked about last November or so, oh, we I want to say. Yeah. Cullum O'Regan, can you please... Because I'm still, I'm still quite shaken by this. 
the, the fact that Michael Winner's dead. Yeah, thanks for reminding yeah. me. Yeah, well, Robbie Williams moved into his old house and uh, got into a bit of a row with Jimmy Page about planning permission, renovation, so on and so forth. We've all been there. Yeah, Robbie Williams made headlines uh, accusing Page of spying on him and saying, like, you know, that he had mental health issues, essentially. And, the quote uh, is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, he, he said, Jimmy has been sitting in his car outside our house four <laughs> hours at a time. He's recording the workmen to see if they're making too much noise. The builders came in and he was asleep in his garden waiting. <laughs> it's like a mental illness. Jesus Christ. But the stories you hear of Jimmy Page in the 70s, like you wouldn't really want to mess with him if he was your neighbour. You'd imagine he'd have a lot of voodoo ty- type stuff going on. And, yeah, this is mean? tame by comparison yeah. to some things that we probably can't talk yeah. about. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if those riffs though, man, it's fine. It's I don't grand. know if he's quite he as riffs, scary yeah. anymore though. Like he has a face like a handbag. <laughs> Anyway, Williams has now issued a statement via his PR which says he'd like to offer my sincere apologies to Jimmy Page, my neighbour, for my comments made before Christmas has been in relation to my recent building works in which I likened alleged behaviour to suffering from a mental illness. Jimmy Page has explained to me that certain specific factual assertions which I made were in fact not true and I'm happy to accept what Jimmy so Page says. I'm happy to accept what Jimmy Page lives. says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. Uh, he goes on to, like, where he's like, I hope he's, he says I hope that the press will now remove the comments. I don't think he knows how the press Press or the internet, or you know, undo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> controls head that out. <laughs> Take that down, Oops. and you know, like somehow, men in black, everyone's minds. Like, <laughs> what's done is done, Robbie. Get out of that house. Leave Michael Winner alone. And the ghost of Michael Winner. Finally, on news, somebody else who wanted to delete shit from the internet pretty damn quickly. A guy went to an Iron Maiden concert in Texas, posed for a photo taken by his friend who tagged him in it, and the police promptly turned up to arrest him for an aggravated kidnapping. I completely forgot that I put this story in. It's yeah. pretty bad, and this is like the most Radio Nova story we've ever had on our encore. Yeah, it might be. And I feel like, because I feel like we would have somehow managed to spin this out for three and a half minutes before. I like, don't know how though. But we've done it. We, we've done it. Let's do it now. We're not it's doing doable. it now. It's doable. Because it would have been like, and where did it happen, Craig? Well, it happened in uh, like, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I flew too close. To, I flew too close to the sun on this one. Let's just. Swing it into Songs of the Week, shall right, we? Right, let's do it. Okay, right. Uh, how about a random number game, guys? Richard, <sighs> as our guest, give Pick me a number. a number. Between one and four. <laughs> oh, <I was> like, <laughs> where, what are the parameters for this scary new world? 99. Let's, 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 go, let's go number two. Okie doke. We've mentioned them already. It's The National. It's a new song, which we've also mentioned already. It's called Guilty Party. It sounds like this. So yeah, back on form, I would say. They're a band that have been in my life for about 10 years now. A bit more than that, perhaps. Uh, a friend of mine got me into them. He put Mr. November on a mix CD back mm. when he used to do that for me. It was very nice of him. And I saw them a bunch. I've seen them five times in my days. And the last time I saw them, Craig, I believe I bumped into you and your sister at the gig. I think it was in the then O2, now 3 Arena. And that night, I kind of was like, you know what? I need to take a break. And I feel like it was a combination of seeing them maybe too many times and the fact that Trouble Will Find Me didn't really work for me. High Violet, I liked, but I didn't love it. A lot of people seem to have the reaction to that record that I had to Boxer, which is mm. the one I kind of got in on, and obviously Alligator before that. So, 
the bloom was off the rose a little bit with the national, like never any kind of malicious way. But watching them at Glastonbury and hearing the new songs and kind of seeing them live there and like kind of hearing the more kind of post rocky elements of some of them, I'm like, this is pretty ambitious for them. I mean, like they're never going to really kind of break the mold again, I don't think. But for me, this is a win, and I'm really looking forward to the record. Yeah, I must say that I'd never really completely gone off them like you did, but uh, certainly, yeah, this stuff is very impressive. It 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 almost insinuates if that's the best word that i can use that like there's nothing too in your face about it but kind of like three or four minutes later you're just like holy shit i'm really really feeling this yeah i mean they do hard on sleeve better than just about anybody out there and as well matt berninger you know granted yeah maybe maybe gets a little bit uh too aloof on stage but he's just, yeah. he's just got that weary delivery where it feels like the weight of the world is bearing down on him yeah. and it really really works here it's still two months to the album but i'm very excited to hear what it's like and i'm glad he's got the elvi shit out of his veins at the minute because that was that was <laughs> got a haircut as well he did yeah, yeah. looks very fetching yeah i <laughs> No, I am, I'm really looking forward to this. I actually didn't. I, I, you know what? I never went off them either, but I, I suppose I probably did get a little bit weary of them. Um, and yeah, the first couple of them was System Sleeps in Total Darkness. That was I really liked that, and this one, yeah, uh, it did have an, yeah pretty instant impact on me. Yeah, it's not not often like even with Trouble Will Find Me and High Violet. The first time I heard like tracks off those albums, it didn't really punch home for me in the same way the Boxer did before. But yeah, no, I think this is. This is, yeah, this is some good shit. They're definitely kind of reinvigorated, I think. Uh, Trouble with Find Me sound almost like they'd become a bit of a parody of themselves. Yeah. Like, certainly a lot of the songs seemed like kind of national-style elements just kind of cobbled mm. together and what you'd expect from them. These, like, I know a lot of people have been talking about the kind of sonic update that's gone on, and there's a lot of kind of electronic stuff there. It reminds me of, you know, Wilco, Yankee, Hotel Foxtrot, and maybe even Kid, Kid A a bit. Like, I mean, not that bleak, but you're getting some of those vibes. But actually, it's a sense that, like, they're starting to write fully formed songs that have a clear narrative the whole way through again. And, yeah, really enjoyed it. I think funny, actually, when you mentioned the Elvoy stuff, and the same goes for the rest of them. We've done, like, a bit of soundtrack work. Bryce Lesnar is constantly Production stuff like that. But basically, you know, they've probably had a chance to get a lot of stuff out of their respective systems so that they can kind of work together a little bit better in that sense. So if they are writing sort of more complete works, that probably makes sense. Two things I would say, also referring back to that Glastonbury set, there's a track called Walk It Back, which is on this record. The record, of course, is called Sleep Well Beast, which sounded lovely, and I can't wait to hear the studio version of it. And number two, Brian Devendorf might be one of my favourite drummers of all time. Lovely man, incredible drummer. Still no excuse to play at a major festival in your bare feet mate what are you doing also it's i've done that before it's sore Cullum, yes number. sir let's go down the three okay another band who've been around for a long time and are coming back yet again it's mogwai with party in the dark <laughs> but does it make you want to party yeah, in the dark? Famed sing along merchants, Mogwai, back back with another main stage <laughs> festival favorite. I mean, it's not what you see coming, is it? It's no. dream pop. It's with vocals, yeah, and fucking like a regular pop structure. Um, 
it's pretty good for them. If you've heard Teenage Exorcists off the Rave Tapes kind of remix thing they put out before, this is on the same wavelength where, yeah, again, it was like, what the hell is Stuart Bray? It's singing now? Yeah. And it sounds kind of like garbage. Uh, this is kind of not dissimilar. And yeah, I'm very impressed by it. It's like a trim four minutes for Mogwai as well. Yeah. I, I love think, it. That's the it... only thing that stood out for me is like, holy crap, this is under eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really good, but I, like, I do wonder what on earth this album's going to sound like yeah. because any record where this is going to sit alongside Coolerine which was the first single and we know follows probably what you'd expect to be something of uh, the Mogwai blueprint you know they definitely don't sound like two songs from the same record and so how you're going to get from one to the other is the interesting question I suppose yeah well it isn't we know (laughs) it isn't Um, (laughs) frankly and so it it would be weird and a pity triple album (laughs) it would be weird and a pity if this song was just a complete outlier because frankly it's strong enough to stand up especially if it's got others like it around it at the same time it would be weird if Coolverine was a complete outlier in what's going to be a more you know run the mill kind of pop pop indie album or whatever so yeah I'm definitely intrigued do we want more vocals uh, yes I think so uh, we, when we were talking about Culverine, I was kind of saying they're damned if they do damned if they don't in terms mm. of just sticking to their guns or going slightly more electronic that kind of way this is a like really interesting sidestep I think and um I mean, are they selling out? Is this them, like, aiming for the charts? <laughs> <laughs> they said, we've had enough of this prog nonsense. Well, no, I liked it. it was We're coming for you, Katy Watch Perry. Your, watch your back, Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our set now. <laughs> you want to see one man with a guitar? <laughs> How about five lines with lots of guitars? Yeah. <laughs> and some pedals. There's a drummer in there as well. Yeah, no, I think we all like this. Yeah. And But yeah, I, I would share the same, maybe, trepidation about the record. But, you know, at this stage, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Craig, give me a number. Uh, give me number four, please. Okay, it's designer, it's Gucci Mane, and it's called Life. Yeah, there's two eyes in it, so I did an elongated thing there. Let's go straight to Richard Chambers. Yeah. Resident rap expert. Um, I, I, I struggle to take anything that designer does seriously. Um, I mean, I enjoyed Panda when it first came out, like we all did. Everybody enjoyed Panda for the first 200 listens. <laughs> um, I just I just fear, for, for such a young guy... I fear for him. I fear for I do fear for him. Has anybody seen his vines and, and, and shit over the years? Insane. The man, yeah, his ad-libs, which are many... Um, and they're legion. They are legion. <laughs> he has legion ad libs, and he's not afraid to use them in every single record he goes on. Um, he just tends to do them in real life now as well, okay. <laughs> while rolling up windows and, and yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, everybody's fa- favorite future knockoff. I was uh, going to say, like, I mean, like, is there a future for this guy when futures out? Boom, there? boom. Yay! I think so. <laughs> I think I think there's a certain generation of just really young person, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds, who will buy into this shit. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, to be fair, I, like, not to kind of disagree with your reasonable uh, assumption <laughs> that everybody enjoyed Panda. I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan of it, to be perfectly it honest. It works when Kanye you, is, yeah. Yeah. granted... Thing, that minute and a half he just kind of incorporates. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, as well, yeah, considering that it, like, it's, it's his 
by far his most lauded effort when I wasn't particularly moved by that it's it's not a great omen and yeah this is like it's pretty forgettable I feel really isn't it it's oh completely a, it's a song about nothing it has little by way of exciting features indeed you know Gucci Mane is a feature okay. in himself and it's not particularly exciting um, just overdone it's very Gucci meh. at the minute yeah I think ever since Gucci got out it's just release after release after release <laughs> I'm like I missed Gucci I don't miss you anymore yeah, <laughs> lock him up yeah, take him away boys <laughs> I'm your parole officer Mr. Main and I have to say these features just aren't up to snuff I'm afraid you're going back to prison I mean any man that has an ice cream with lightning bolts coming out of it yeah. tattooed on his face is okay in my book he deserves more respect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although his music is great. Um, but yeah, it is that kind of trap thing that's getting really stale. And I don't think designers going to last, really. I don't. Do you know do you know what? I might have actually had more of an open mind to this if I hadn't already listened to two future albums this year. <laughs> 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 it's like another. Okay, let's change the game, shall we? <laughs> Four young men from Swords. Are they from Swords? Yeah, yeah. Swords. <laughs> from Swords. If you haven't figured it out from that intro, have a listen to this and tell me who you think I it is. Oh, brother, we go deeper than the ink beneath the skin of our tattoos. No, we don't share the same blood. You're my brother, and I love you. That's the truth. We're living different lives. Heaven only knows. If we make it back with all our fingers in our toes. If you said. <laughs> Matt Cardle plus four others. If you said that was Codaline. You'd be right. It is. It's Code Line. The song's called Brother. And they've kind of been listening to their Bonnie Vare, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'll say this. I really like that bit of the song. The kind of vocoder, like, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't see that coming at the start. The problem is, then, it segues into the big cinematic euphoric stadium filling rush, which I don't need. If this song had been more of a, you know, Blood Bank or a 715 Creeks or uh, Image and Heap, Hide and Seek or whatever, and they actually committed all the way with this, I'd be fascinated to hear what that would sound like because I think it'd be really, really good because at this stage, you know, they're accomplished musicians. They, you know, like when they broke through, I will go to bat for all I want. I do think it's a great song. Granted, it's part of a wave of very, very similar stuff, but like in terms of what it does, it does incredibly well. Apart from that, they really haven't interested me. This did and then it didn't. And I was like, oh, Near miss. Yeah, I mean, there's a kind of a stripped back version of it as well, which is probably more along the lines of what you were looking for in terms of kind of committing to that idea. I mean, at the same time, you know, that stadium rush, like that is they need their, yeah, yeah, that is their area yeah, now. Yeah. And frankly, yeah, how how much a band like that could carry a stripped back song, considering their fan base and their demographics, I don't know. I still think it's something that they do quite well. Um, and I must say that, yeah, like you say, there are some intriguing kind of electronic flourishes here, but they're kind of very neatly done as well. They could have come across as gimmicky, and they don't. Yeah, um, it's it's really well worked in, and I think they're kind of put in that like beige bracket when actually the last album. There's some interesting stuff on there, and it sounds like they've been listening to other interesting stuff, which bodes well, I suppose, for the future. Like they're very competent guys, and they clearly have good taste. But yeah, it's a total. It is a compromise. It's clearly like we need something for the radio. We need something for the kind of you know raise your iPhone in the air kind of yep. thing. Mm. Um, there's parts of it that I really like. I think are interesting. <laughs> And then, the, you know, when it, when we get into that, do, 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 and suddenly you've got the kind of whole choir thing coming in and you're like, I'm out, I'm out. And it, it is lyrically a bit mawkish as well. Yeah. For right from the start, I rolled my eyes. And they didn't I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to say, I sense that you got something to say, Richard Chambers. I, d- I, didn't, I didn't. Put like this it. band on blast. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to keep it at that. 
I just turned it on and I listened to the first 30 seconds. I was like, and then I went <laughs> and the diff down was, and it's like, nope. And that was it. Did and you I share kind of DNA it. with certain Irish acts? Like you're walking on cars, for example. Yeah, that's ah, too much. They are much better, but like what I, what I want to say was the other day I was around Kilmainham area where I live and walking cars were playing. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I didn't want to say I didn't want to say what that I, I didn't want to say that I had gone to the gym because it makes it sound like it was the, the same second. No, no, because I've gone it, to the gym reference. No, no, because today. it was the same He's, time. Now we know he has the Instagram. <laughs> it's going to be full of that shit. <laughs> it really, really isn't. Uh, it was like it was the Saturday when Foo Fighters were on the same around the corner walking on cars uh. playing. So it was damned if I did and damned if I didn't. But when I was going around the corner from. Uh, Royal Hospital command them. Track me down if you want where I live. <laughs> See you around. Uh, there were people coming out early and like one girl said to another girl, uh, you missed the best song. And I was like, that's that's the funniest thing I'm going to hear outside of Walking on Cars gig ever. That's great. Good for you, kids. <laughs> Terrible band. Okay, so we have two albums to review this week mm. and I can't decide what one we should do first. Just play a numbers game, Craig. It's not about a numbers game. What should we go with? What, what, what comes to mind? Oh, come on. Let's go, Vinny. Okay. It's Big Vinnie Staples. The album Vinnie the Star Staples. The album is called Big Fish Theory. Let's have a quick listen to that. Nice. Is your girl fat? Fuck her all night. Is you well paid? Are your shows packed? If your song played, well they know that. How to thug life? How to love life? How to work low? Is your buzz right? Did you trap jump? Is the club right? Got your hair right? Boy, you're yeah, right. Boy, you're yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So that's yeah, right. It comes from Vin Staples' sophomore full-length album, mm-hmm. Big Fish Theory. So this follows an EP that came out last year called Prima Donna. Before that, we had Summertime 06, which is a double album. We have a bunch of mixtapes before that. The guy's only 20 fucking three years of age, and he appears to be not even the next big thing. He appears to be the here and the now. Does he justify all the hype? Yes. I think Summertime 06 justified the hype on its own, to be perfectly honest. I thought it was an absolutely outstanding record. I think what's happened with Vince Staples since has been interesting because he has become an internet celebrity. And, you know, it was often kind of in absolute opposition to what Summertime 06 was in that 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 was a very, very sort of laid back, almost at times like unnervingly calm sort of a double album. Mm. Exact opposite to sort of giddy hot takes that he gives on internet videos and stuff like that. So this album was always going to be interesting and he's clearly gone with some of that energy. He's gone with the idea of kind of like jumping from idea to idea. And he's done it incredibly, incredibly well. This is a fantastic record. The production is key, mm. like, the whole way through. Um, it is very dance-oriented. It doesn't hold back. It's sleek, and it's pretty quick in tempo as well. And the fact that he never feels like he's been kind of dragged along by it, rather he's, you know, keeping pace, so to speak, is testament, I think, to both his delivery, which is a lot better on this album than I would necessarily have expected him to be able to do. And secondly, I think just for the efficiency of his ideas that every song is just a three-minute blast and yet it never feels lightweight or sort of like he's holding back. Yeah, for 36 minutes, there's a lot in there. And I think it was, it was straight from the start when I heard Crabs in the Bucket, 
Um, I was like, that is that that is the best album opener we'll hear all year. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I think it's I think Justin Vernon produced it actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot. It, it it's almost a bit underworld or burial or something nineties house. Anyway. Oh yeah, big time. It's yeah. I I was I'm straining on that, and then it, it just yeah, it just flew along from there. Big fish is an amazing. Like I mean. Yeah, it's just the hook of the century as well. Like, it's so good, it's like stuck in my head. I, I can't stop going around saying I was up late night balling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still counting up hundreds by thousands. He messaged me yesterday in Block Apples out of nowhere. <laughs> I was up late night balling. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. Yeah, it does, I I'm I'm really like this kid because he's he, he's... he's you know, this rap is sort of falling down in between two, two sort of folds. You're either falling into mumble rap or you're trying to be J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar. And he's he's pushing out his own, you know, he's going his own way. And it is just, it's just phenomenal to watch. It's completely different to anything he's done before as well. Mm. Like, he's not averse to take risks. And, I mean, every single track in his apartment, you listen to Interlude, is just, yeah, it's eight, eight out of ten above for me. Well, the thing is, like, I mean, he manages to, if Summertime 06 was an exploration of the self, this is almost like, okay, now he's just going to, like, get people on board and do whatever he wants and almost direct them. Mm. Like, I mean, you look at a track like Yeah Right and we, we have been very, very sceptical about Kendrick Lamar featured mm. uh, appearances and because obviously there have been some particularly paycheck ones from him on Maroon 5 and Sia and the yeah. likes of that. I think there's a difference. Yeah. But here, yeah. here, it's like, oh man, there, yeah. there he is. There's the Kendrick I know and love in this guise. Yeah, like, this, I mean, like, this is his best feature probably since, like, Control. Oof. Years ago. No. no feature. <laughs> no more parties in LA. Come on. Yeah, that's. Oh, I don't know. And he destroyed on. Um, oh yes. Brown. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, he uh, was Compton. good on Compton. Compton as well. Yeah, Compton come on. Was amazing. Oh, I'm not sure. What? It was amazing. I th- I, he stole that album. He stole that album. Man, he, listen, he was great on that album. Don't get me Twice. wrong. <laughs> but three times even. <laughs> like, three, yeah. I think you go back to that verse in Control. <laughs> he was insane, <laughs> and this. This is maybe as good. He, he charges in, and it's actually it's it, it's strange because Kendrick's verse is produced by someone different, isn't it? Um, I think it's Sophie from PC Music. Yeah, well, I think he does the entire track, doesn't he? Um, no, because I think it's Flume does the rest oh, of it. it yeah. Is, yeah, it is. And actually, you know what? That's one that we have to give. I, I've been cr- uh, critical of Flume in the past. Um, yeah, produces the hell out of this one. Um, it, it's a savage track it it's is. kind of snarky and sharp and angry and yeah okay well I will say that initially listened to this and I loved it I still think it's right up there with the best rap albums of the year but I've seen a lot of people saying this is the record this is better than Kendrick's damn that's and not though is on it? repeat listens oh, there's ac- they're I'm totally different they're to totally you can't yeah. I'm starting to find fault with it and most of it lies with Oh yeah, sonically, I mean, aesthetically, it's. I love the risks he's taking. I love that he's gone for this kind of, like, it's actually a very UK, Richard, as you, mm. as you were saying, just mm. like bits of burial there, you're kind of Aphex Twin. Um, he's not going to be obvious Drake, oh, let, let's find some cool grime acts yeah. to hang yeah. out with. No, dance all in there. Like, way of yeah. keeping himself relevant, yeah. But it, it I mean, and he's talking about Long Beach, but it, like, it could be kind of Bristol, like there's lots of kind of just actual drizzle and just kind of rain and this gloominess, that sounds yeah. great. But actually... I mean, for such a kind of captivating character in Interview and on his last record, I kind of did feel like he got a bit swallowed up by a lot of this like kind of sublime production at times. I, I felt like he was kind of a bit monochrome in, in his delivery. I, I, like, he sometimes seemed a, like a bit of a passenger uh, to this great music around him. Mm. Like, I, just from a pure rap point of view, 
I didn't think he was on top, top form. I feel like that's a deliberate decision, and that might sound like I'm covering for him, but I think I, I agree with you in as much as he is arguably the least compelling aspect of his own record in terms of his pitch and delivery. Mm. But that's because there's so much else going on, and I feel like he is at the helm of all of this. And granted, like, I mean, yeah, there are other people, you know, kind of behind the desk here and there, but, like, it's it's his name, it's his thing, it's his show. we got to take it for, you know, kind of as read that this is his presentation of what he wants to put out, and... I think as a counterpoint to what he's put out before, even like the Prima Donna EP, which is so front and centre, yeah. and his, his, like his actual, like his kind of, his bars on that and all kind of stuff are like just fucking incredible. Yeah. On this, I think it felt more like he wanted to capture an atmosphere, which mm. he does incredibly well. And I will say that, oh, yeah. yeah, the more I listen to it, I, it's not that I'm, I'm finding flaws, and it's not that I'm enjoying it less, but it's a heavy listen, especially like, you know, you're like 36 minutes and there's a lot going on, but like, it does make you kind of walk away and have to take a break from it here and there because there's a lot going on yeah. and it's heavy it, it, like, it, it pushes down on you and that's I, I yeah. feel that's the point yeah and I mean like some of the tracks as well are just like like Alyssa Interlude is like you know Amy Winehouse sure. dialogue I don't, I, think, I don't think I don't think I'll ever yeah, it's going to be one of those tracks where I just end up skipping if I ever revisit yeah. again I do worry about that actually is actually revisiting it in the future because I do really enjoy it at the minute but I don't know if six months down the line, if I'm listening to that, I really don't think I probably will be. Actually, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, no, there, there are tracks. That, I mean, like I, I can't picture myself just going nah because I mean, like seven forty-five is is filth. I don't think it's going to stop being filth for a while, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But again, that's a, like that's another one where, like lyrically, I mean, this, like he's not really doing too much that's inspired. Yeah, it's all about it just being an absolute jam. He's mm. calling call himself back as well quite a lot. I mean, like you know, track like, lines that we've heard on North North and the yeah. likes of that. Like, I mean, he's kind of doing the Trent Reznor cannibalizing the self thing, which. Which, mm. I guess speaks to his confidence as well. Something that we have often said on this podcast, by the way, is you know this is a good album to listen to on headphones. Uh, be warned if you're listening on headphones, there's a bass drop oh, to start yeah. Samo yes. that will genuinely make your teeth shake. <laughs> so that selfie again, I have to say, really, really kind of good work. Yeah. Mm. When you mention "damn," I have to say that it's weird because obviously, given that the two records are a few months apart, that is a comparison that's going to be made. In a way, when you look at it musically, sonically, might this album have more in common with To Pimp a Butterfly if it's going to be a sort of a driving force in the way things are going in the future? Because that was the album really where Kendrick sort of broke with what was going on and made an album that was using a very different production, very different instrumentation. This is kind of along those same lines. I know you're saying like in the way that Kendrick lent heavily into jazz Mm. That's this leaning him to kind of like the EDM yeah, yeah, scene yeah. or whatever Afro, they call it. In the States. Afrofuturism is what well, he described. No, it, no, no, no. He called it Afrofuturism. No, and, and then, then went on Trevor on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. And when Trevor Noah asked him about Afrofuturism, <laughs> Vince Staples completely deadpans just goes. I like saying things to people, or to white people, yeah, about black people. Exactly. And <laughs> Trevor Noah went full Jimmy Fallon, like it broke him. He also said on, um, oh sorry, did you see him on Jimmy Fallon, by the way? I don't watch it. Mm-mm. He didn't, well, neither do I, obviously, but like, you know, if I see an, act, an act that I like has done a, has done a performance, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the, the YouTube hit for that. Mm. Sketches, obviously. Oh, I love, oh man, yeah. it's so funny. So funny. Oh, what can't he do? He would have done an even better record here, I feel. So, I mean... <laughs> Vince performed Love Can Be with, uh, who was it, Kilo Kish? Mm-hmm. Ray J. Yeah. And he had Damon Albarn behind him on the video wall. But if you watch that performance, Vince is looking at the ground like a sullen teenager or a very shy person. Doesn't even seem that interested, but I think that's the point. And I feel mm. like this record is almost like hiding in plain sight or something. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's more, on, more going on here than the kind of 
looseness would suggest. I think like he deliberately wanted to make an opaque record that's sure. also violently accessible yeah, in yeah. other ways. That's exactly it. You see, like I mean, like he is one of these people, like who. You know, I read some great article about him just in the past couple of weeks, which said, um, you know, he's become a, a comedic enigma while denying that he's either. Yeah. And he's a very like deadpan rapper. Yeah, he's the kind of like Jack D of rap or something at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wow. wow, wow. I was going to say Stephen Wright, but he's not quite that good yet. Did you see him on Pitchfork, the over-under thing that they do? Like, is this yeah. the overrated or underrated? Mm. At the end of it, he talked about lobsters. And he <laughs> said that lobsters can't die. You have to kill them, otherwise they don't die. And then he went, you know, I could be making that up. You don't know, you don't, you don't know, you don't, you don't know that I'm not great. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I like the fact that, Cullman, as you said, like, he's kind of uh, striking out on his own path. Like, he's not doing, and Richard, as you're saying, there's kind of two ways you can go now. In yeah. He's very much just, kind of, he, does, he doesn't want to go with the, okay, right on, political activism thing. He doesn't want to go hard either. He's just kind of telling a story, which is quite kind of like bleak. Obviously, he has a history like in the crypts and stuff. So it's like a lot of darkness there. Well, this is the thing about Finn Staples. I actually did up a list, one of those cool list things mm-hmm. for Red Bull. You can look that up online and check it out. And I was kind of like, at one point... Other I, energy drinks are available. <laughs> Sprite, for example, which uh, <laughs> sponsors Vince Staples. If either of them are interested in sponsoring their own core, get it in touch. But what I would say is when I was doing up that list, um, I found myself kind of being like, fuck me, like this is bleak subject matter at every... Oh, yeah. At every turn, but then again, you know, we live in like a lot, most people who listen to music don't really listen to the lyrics, and, and that's that's, that's one of those old jokes. But at the same time, if you it's like the American Psycho line where it's like most people don't really listen to the lyrics, but they should before he rams an axe in a guy's face. Uh, spoilers for American Psycho there, but so what I would say is, if you want surface level, fuck, you're getting it here and then some. I mean, like tracks like Party People, Bag Back, mm. Yeah Right, even like you know just the way it's presented is insane. Yeah Right actually calls back the track that Vince appeared on. Uh, for Flume called Smoke and Retribution it has that kind of really kind of industrial crunch to it that kind of like it sounds like they're using steel baseball bats in the studio just whacking them off the walls like it's really intense so I think if you want a surface level listen you've got it and if you want to like dig really deep you've got that too granted that listen might make you want to take a breather afterwards but Mm, I still think this is a great record and I'm going 8 out of 10 on this one yeah I'm going 8 out of 10 as well and frankly I think I'm even more excited by the idea of what could come next there's a line uh, towards the end of this record where he talks about uh, what is deja vu from a bayside view and basically as he moves further and further away from that sort of murky past and further into stardom or whatever I think his perspective could be extremely interesting indeed that wasn't a Saved by the Bell reference then. no I'll give him an 8 out of 10 for the album and a 10 out of 10 for pissing Anthony Fantano off do. Can we talk? Can we talk about about Anthony Fantano for a second? Can we? Yes. He is a guy. He used to have a blog called The Needle Drop, and oh. now he has a YouTube channel, and he does album reviews. And yeah, he seems to have a bit of a bee in his bonnet about Finn Staples. He fucking hates all new good rap music. That is, he does. He he trashed Damn, which is, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't Kendrick Lamar's best album, obviously, but like. Perspective, man. Perspective. Perspective. From the internet's busiest music wanker. <laughs> yes. I find him very irritating. He's I a f- hate those kind of quick cut video edits anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Transition. Yeah. You can see the smugness levels increasing as his pop. And what Lord is doing yeah. with this one is she's really tapped into the yeah. mindset of... I think he never he, says anything. No, you know, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We're Quite calling us, you out, Fantano. Yeah. Give us points, Craig. Have a trap influence this. <laughs> 
I would probably go 7.5, maybe rising to a 7.8. I mean, Anthony Fontana over here, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> a light seven. There's Pitchfork Craig over there. Um, Three and a half out of five. Not done with our album reviews quite yet. Uh, Heimer back, and they've got okay. something to tell you. Yeah, that is the album opener, the new one from Heim. It's called Want You Back. Um, This album is coming out next week, but we have been listening to it ahead of time. It is relatively eagerly anticipated, I suppose, a sophomore album from a band who, I mean, I was down with their first record. I think you were too, Craig. Richard? Yeah, I was in on it. I didn't, like, I wasn't blown away, but I could see why they were so popular. I think the interesting thing is that it's four years since that first album. And it really doesn't seem like it because the songs have just been carried along and maybe it's because they're constantly on tour and they're constantly doing radio shows yeah. and stuff like that. Well, but. I mean, I think that's part of it is partly because they released that first album, I think, in a September. So frankly, their first festival summer, so to speak, was mm. still another year away. And then, as I've mentioned before, they kind of had this sort of second explosion when they became like besties with Taylor Swift and kind of these sort of bizarre fashion, fashion, fashion icons and so on and so forth, you know, so... I guess there's kind of been like a constant growth thing for Heim. This is obviously where it should culminate. Does it? I hope it does culminate. <laughs> As in it finishes. In the end of a career. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. That's a bit much, is it? But this is the thing. I mean, like, how can you possibly... I have to write a 700-word album review on this. I don't know how yeah, I'm going to do I don't it. Know. I'm going to put the word wholesome into thesaurus.com and just see what comes up. Yeah. Okay, look. Let's talk about it. I don't get nice. them. I don't get it. And I don't understand why this is so popular. I don't understand why what it is. It's basically heart in twenty seventeen. And I'm yeah. like, really? Is that like why why is that considered avant garde and interesting? Plus, every track on this record, every single track on this record, is just Oh, I got my heart broken, didn't I? But there, there, is, but, there is a but, lot of that. But I'm picking there? myself back up, eh? Come on, yeah. girls. And I mean what's more, it's all so just there. Yeah, and it's like just it's, it's so surface level it's as well. It's all the there's, same. There's so little depth it's to any of this. It's a collection of the same singles. It's a collection of the same yeah. singles after 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 each other. I thought right now is the only one which did something a little bit different because it wasn't as heavily produced. And night so long, the closer yeah. as well. But, That's a depressing closer. Yeah, but you know what? To be perfectly honest, this is the funny is thing. It? Yeah, because on paper that would be a great closer and it's a good song. But as a finisher to this album, yeah. it's just weird. Like it doesn't complete a narrative or like you know it doesn't finish the arc or whatever and in fact if anything it just leaves a bad taste in the mouth because you're like okay well if this is what we might have got if you're willing to go slightly deeper on these songs and to write something that was slightly more personal or slightly more involved then it might have been an awful lot more rewarding i like at the risk of kind of oversimplifying things i was looking at this track list kind of thinking like why is none of this really engaging and why am i not getting a feel for this so to speak and yet the, the first 
six tracks are called Want You Back mm. Nothing's Wrong Little of Your Love Ready For You Something To Tell You You Never Knew <laughs> Can and I Borrow like, A Feeling <laughs> well, well, well no but also it's like is that the least introspective fucking track list you could come up it's with It's actually very great You, when you look is at in five of the yeah. six names like it's, it's, it's all this outward thing where it's almost as though like you know you're not going to be allowed into our world and here. they're all dressed up with that kind of like you know rhythmic kind of it just sounds like a typewriter being thrown down the stairs, like here and there, where it's just like, like this kind you of. You know like, what? <laughs> I, do, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Holland's 80s drums. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, no, no. no that, I'm not even criticizing. Like, I don't mind that whatsoever, but like, the problem is that you're getting so much of it that the record becomes shapeless. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, like, it is obviously all kind of wrapped up in that, like, Ariel Rexhide kind of sheen, the 80s gloss that he tends to put on things. Yeah, he's, nice. he's Danielle's boyfriend actually for trivia fans and I mentioned I have a nice piece oh, I can't wait. of Heim trivia oh you did tease us about two hours ago Heim's dad his yeah. name Mr. Heim to you. is Mordecai oh wow yeah the failed wrestler <laughs> yeah, there you go is that that Johnny Depp film Mordecai Mordecai yeah. Yeah, yeah Mordecai Heim yeah are we sure that he's not like Mordecai he, he used to be a professional soccer player oh right okay yeah. for there who uh, I, I think that's why he moved to the States. I mean, like, this would have been back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. So before Major League Soccer or anything Age like that. Galacticos. So. Upbeat FC. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, like, I mean, like... West Coast Cooler FC, yeah. Like, Rex, like Rexhide, like, put that shit on, like, Brandon Flowers' last record, and it really didn't suit it. Yeah. It kind of square peg round hold it. But yeah. they are... Heim are kind of going to be writing that music anyway, frankly. So it's probably a good fit. There's a lot of kind of chorus pedal... There's a lot of those those kind of kind of chimey synths. It is basically just 1987. Yeah, the entire duration. There are weird moments as well, though, where like something jumps in there. Like one track starts with like some weird sort of reverby effects, and you're that's, just like, "What that, the fuck?" That's is that? almost what put me off in the end is that there was all these really, yeah, unintrospective tracks, and they was just laced with over the top production. Yeah, there's there was al- no need for half of it. There's also really- that genuinely haunting moment in the title track where one of them comes in on backing vocals and just goes, I was innocent. And I, <laughs> like, wait, I just what? sat bolt upright. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? Also, 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 is that Justin Vernon on the first track? Who arrives, sings one song and then just dis- or one line and then disappears again? It's Gucci Mane. <laughs> <laughs> it's Quavo he's on everything these days um, no, the thing about Haim is that they've been kind of doing this since they were teenagers they're very much that American kind of school of this is now going to be my career I'm just going to get really good at the art of writing songs that will sound good on the radio mm. like, it reminds me of it's almost like a Nashville style thing where mm. they'll be on a conveyor belt just churning out stuff and they're like very good at just laying hook upon hook upon hook upon hook if you took like a lot of these tracks in isolation You'd be like, yeah, that's a good radio hit. They can, you know, they can ride a fucking yeah, horse. Yeah, that's what I felt. Yeah, but you're just getting hit over the head with them. Like, yeah, it's so same. It's, it's a bit like we were talking about Carly Rae Jepsen a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That like you can write a radio song grand, but if you put twelve of them together in a record, it's, it's probably it's not going to work. Yeah. Is this what it is? Is that they don't want it to be listened to as an album? Is that they're going to hope that this lasts another four years of just pure singles? It sounds like a kind probably. of greatest hits yeah. that problem where it just there's no real flow because and you have that like random lyric generator where like. Once and it's coming pretty soon when AI can just write songs. Sure. They'll be they'll have to do something a bit more interesting because these will be the first songs computers write. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very just like 
you know, slotty into blah blah blah, tab A. Yeah, and especially, especially <laughs> Craig's computers from the from the early 1980s. Especially, well, yeah, but especially it's when yeah, Frankie, yeah, 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 it's yeah. being built so around the 80s. Like, there's a documentary coming out about this album as well. There is. I'd rather yeah. watch. I'd rather watch another documentary about the West Memphis so Paul Three. Paul Thomas Anderson. Than watch one on the. Oh, is it? No, he he directed the video for for right now. Oh, okay, right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I just like, can you like, uh, this is this album like. Is aggressively beige. Yeah. And I find that tough to deal with. It's quite strange as well when they talk about, like, you know, like we wanted to write a more organic record. But it's and not. It's like, didn't do <laughs> this is the most synthetic, like, unless this is a kind of like a Robin Sparkles situation where, like, the 80s didn't reach the valley yeah. since 1999. Please don't reference Inferior Sitcoms on our <laughs> very good podcast. It's very Stevie Nicks. I was thinking, like, there's that Father John Misty song from this year where he's talking about as a kid just being in, like, a shopping mall or whatever. <laughs> And him cho- nearly choking to death as yeah, little lies plays. And I'm thinking, if that happened to a kid this year, it would be a home song just playing in the background. Yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. would. Um, absolutely. Maybe they, yeah, the three of them all choked while listening to Wilson Phillips or something. Okay, we're getting into weird territory now, and I'm going to drag it back from that. And what I would say is, I don't want to dislike this band or this record. And I don't even think I dislike it. I don't think you can. I don't think yeah. you can. I, I'm mystified by how anybody could have strong feelings about home. They're just and to be perfectly they honest, they do something interesting. Like, but the talent is there. Like if they yeah. just maybe I don't know. I mean, they're not going to though. Yeah, I, 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 is, I get the feeling. I think they've, I they've the nailed their colours to the mast on this one, and that they're just not going to take risks and they're mm. not going to do anything different. Yeah, I feel like Heim. Like I, I feel like Heim should be a fucking safe word in the bedroom. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, as critical as we are being of this, uh, I think we can, though, agree that there are three or four songs here that if they are scattered through radio playlists for the next nine months, you'll probably be fair enough. Yeah, just fine with it. Work as an album. Yeah. Because yeah. the points, Dave. Five? I mean, like, I'm on the fence because I, and that's where I hate to be. Yeah, I'll give it a six. Couple of better than average songs far better than average in fact but a bunch of duds in there as well and something that doesn't quite work as a record as a whole yeah it's a six I mean it's kind of like what we were talking about with Coldline in terms of the compromise because towards the end of it there is stuff where you're like okay I, like, I believe they can do something more interesting but yeah this is just radio songs yeah I just wanted a lot more from them to be honest and I am just disappointed that this seems to be you're not angry I'm not angry I'm just disappointed <laughs> wow yeah. I'm have I let know, Richard I, 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 down I, I, yeah that's, they're on notice now. I'm gonna say f- yeah, five. Five would be fair. But what will Anthony Fantano say? I wonder. They've changed the game. They're from Cal. They're both from Cal. They're all from California. Eleven out of tight. <laughs> okay. Anything else to listen to this week, guys? Uh, Scissor. Yes. 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 Matthew Deere, who I'm a huge fan of, is back. Uh, his first release under his own name since he put out a great record called Beams in 2012. He put out a song today, actually, called uh, Moda Fenil Blues. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. He worked with a songwriter who's worked with Frank Ocean before, and it's terrific. If you've never heard Matthew Deere before, I would say seek him out. Glorious, kind of weird production-y synth kind of stuff going on. Sounds a little bit like Bowie in places, and I was really, really glad to see this come out of nowhere. Colin, you've been away for two weeks, I presume you've been I've heard absolutely nothing. nothing. Not, a, not a bit. No. Don't even have some hot new Norwegian act to recommend to you, unfortunately. Well, you brought some chocolate to the studio from Norway. That's something. So that's something. Yeah. Okay, well, look, guys. Yourself, well. <laughs> I'm just glad you're back sound. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> I feel like we did okay with them. But, uh, 90 minutes, Dave. That episode was stacked. It was stacked. <laughs> stacked, okay? We didn't even have a gig review on this one because, you know, Green Day for two and a half hours in the rain doesn't sound like my kind yeah. of fun Thursday evening. Gentlemen, I thank you all. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Okay, so, as always, to play us out, we'll have a song. And we'll have a song by an Irish band. 
This band are called Wyvern Lingo. You may have heard of them. They have a new song out. It's called I Love You, Sadie. It's about loving the feminine qualities of a man and encouraging him not to worry about fitting into the male stereotype and to just be himself. Cullum, I feel like they wrote this with you in mind. I, yeah. He needs to work on it. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, this song might help you. It's good. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. This is Wyvern Lingo. And I love you, Sadie. And I love you, Cullum. Soft and delicate disguise I love it when it's creeping around the edges Or short back and sides I know you're crazy You color far more intricate than blue You don't want to show your colors off But what my they say of you of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Greg, you're dangerously close legwise to me, but I like it. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.